We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. To press play, a euphony podcast empowered by Yamaha headphones. Tiana Speedy, your host here with you. Each week, join me, my co-host Andrew Marston, and some amazing people from around the industry to dive into all things music this week. From new releases to trending musical moments, and even this week in musical history. Today, we'll also be joined by the incredible actress, activist, and music triple threat, Amanda Stenberg drops in as our guest artist for this week to chat about her songwriting turn in the upcoming film adaptation of the musical Dear Evan Hansen. Find Press Play on Instagram at Press Play Oz. We can also follow along with our Press Play mixtape on Spotify and be sure to follow, subscribe or leave us a love letter review if you'd like, if you do like what you're hearing each week. But for now, let's dive into today's episode, Love Music, Press Play. First up, let's take a closer look at some brand new EPs and albums dropping this week. Well, here we are now in the first week of December in 2021. We've actually made it and the new releases have been starting to slowly wind down for the year, but there is still a bunch of releases for us to sink our teeth into this week. First up, Barcelona-based Venezuelan artist Arca has a double whammy for us this week, releasing two albums, Kick 2 and Kick 3, both obviously part of the Kick album anthology, and they'll unveil through XL recordings, with the avant-garde Arca promising the third edition to be a bit more introverted than Kick 1, while number two will be heavy on backbeats, vocal manipulation mania, and general craziness. And a fourth album is on the horizon too for the Kick series, so keep an eye out for that one. Meanwhile, German producer Wolfgang Voigt will release a brand new album under his moniker Gas, a project which stems back to the mid-90s. De Long March, which translates as The Long March in English. Well, Gas has been renowned for his collections of what Stereo Gum describes as anxious, haunted, ambient music, and De Long March will spread across 11 tracks with each titled literally De Long March 1, De Long March 2, and so forth. Prepare for booming bass drums, some psychedelic dabblings and a mix of Gas's entire sonic palette from throughout his career. And Canadian country rockers Blue Rodeo will also this week release a new album, their 16th studio album titled Many a Mile through Warner Music Canada, the group's first album in five years since 2016's 1000 Arms. Prepare for plenty of warm melodics and country twangs from one of Canada's most loved bands who have thrived for close to four decades now. But now to take a closer look at a few other new releases happening this week, my co-host Andrew Mast is back in the Press Play studio. Masty, here we are, another episode and another huge week of new music. And all the Christmas releases yet to be spoken about in the coming weeks. (laughs) Well, to quickly have a look at some of the chart news here, let's have a quick chart chat. It's no surprises, everyone knows Adele's 30 absolutely monstered the aria chart she took out her third number one on the albums charts and a bunch of her other albums i think 25 21 and 19 are all charting again as well so she's really ripping up the charts at the moment masty the um the 25 and 21 are actually number one and two on the uh, catalog charts and 19 sitting at number six so yeah they have definitely charged back in and it's very nice to see too another one of our feature albums has done really well paul kelly's christmas train debuted in at number two it's beautiful to see such an amazing aussie album stealing at number two against such a huge week especially when you're up against someone like adele yeah that's an that's an amazing effort yeah it's nice to see it and i think you know maybe it just shows everyone needs a bit of that Different Christmas time in their life at the moment. And good to see too another album Belly had mentioned recently, Bruce Springsteen's The Legendary 1979 No Nukes concert. That also debuted at number six. 
And something especially nice for you, I think, Marcy, we're still seeing ABBA holding strong at number five after Taylor Swift, Adele and Ed Sheeran have swung in. So I'm stoked for you for that one. (laughs) Of course, I'm tracking that one carefully. (laughs) Still holding strong. It's great. (laughs) Well, let's talk new releases. What are you kicking off first today? What new album or EP are you bringing to us on Press Play? Well, I've got Greatest Hits Volume 2 by Greatest Hits. Um, I have to confess I was not familiar with this Gold Coast band's work when Tiana suggested I might want to talk about it this week. And let me add that Googling them takes some effort. There are lots of results for a Greatest Hits search. So funny name, funny, funny name of the EP, but it makes it difficult for a Google search. But I tell you what, 21 seconds into lead track spicy and I was head over heels. I'm a sucker for catchy psych pop. And when the layered vocals kicked in at the 21 second mark, I was a goner. One of my favourite bands in the country right now is Brisbane's Nice Biscuit. And I reckon Greatest Hits on a double bill with them is a night out that I want to experience. However, Greatest Hits don't just draw on the 60s for their inspiration. In Pleasure to Meet You, there's a bit of that baggy Manchester sound that got UK, the UK swinging back in the 90s. Whereas Banana Folk is just straight up folk pop and Nuclear Love Song is straight-up indie pop. But most importantly, a lot of their songs are easily transplanted to the club floor. They really know when to bring the funk. Yeah, I think agreed. Uh, One of the hardest bands to Google, but absolutely worth it when you do get to it. And uh, an amazing Gold Coast band who I'm convinced have time-travelled from the 70s, armed with sunny sonics and glittering grooves. Volume 2 does manage to sneak in a few modern tinges, but... I had to agree to the opening track, Spicy, had me hooked. Those harmonies over that plinking underbelly. This may just be my summer must-have, I think, listening-wise at least. <laughs> and, yeah, and, oh, and for only five tracks, each song is completely different. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's nice to have a bit of that diversity because the thing is with a band like that, if they were all the same all the time, it would get a bit boring, I think. So they've managed to survive it. And now my Google's search for them enough, they do show up when I search for them. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> my algorithm's working. <laughs> Well, I'm going to dive into an album called Alter Schwede from Melbourne experimental icons, My Disco, that's out this week. Now, My Disco have been operating since they formed back in 2003. And over the years, they've been operating out of both London and Melbourne. But they, of course, found a bit of infamy, as some people will know, for performing in more unconventional venues. So stuff like sidewalks and warehouses. But they're also infamous for mixing up their styles and well, sonic styles, I should say, maybe fashion. I'm not quite sure. But um, for Alter Schwede, the group's sixth studio album, it was, as for so many others, put together remotely by the band. It was mixed in Berlin. And it was also part of that wonderful arts project, Flash Forward, that we've spoken about a bit on Press Play. It was put together by the City of Melbourne and Heavy Machinery. I know people like Lady Lash and Diana's and Hate Rock that we've spoken about in the past have been part of that too. But on Alter Schwede, we get the traditional My Disco trademarks, but also this time we're getting full-blown industrial, like we've got lashings of minimalism, savagery, some grinding percussion, and even some spoken word at times. And as I I did say, it is an industrial album, but there's a bit of post-punk happening as well. It's incredibly immersive and ambitious at the same time. And to give you a great example, I may butcher this pronunciation, so Musty, please correct me if I'm wrong, but lead single, Falterkammer. I hope I'm saying that right. It's a perfect example of all of that. This is not your typical play in the background, hanging with friends on a Saturday night kind of thing. But if droning but well-constructed savagery is your thing, enter my disco with this brand new album into your listening repertoire. Yeah, I've I remember seeing my disco years and years ago in America. I got I got to see them play in America, and the the buzz on them was such that the audience was filled with like other you know people from other American bands checking them out. And I remember getting into conversations with people because they heard my Aussie accent and they just wanted to know as much as they could about my disco. So um, yeah, it, it's been interesting to see them grow since then. And this is, as you said, a really industrial. Um, it, it's not like the industrial music I used to go and see when I was a kid and <laughs> those bands that were around then like SPK. Um, it is, it's much more of a, 
of an experimental, um, almost concrete music type of industrial music. So, yeah, it's it, I, I just can't get over how good a project this has been um, that's, that we've, we've spoken about coming out of Melbourne, that so many albums, so many well-recorded albums have, have been able to come out during this time when, when artists were struggling uh, to make a sense. So I just think, um, yeah, th- this is great. And if you can uh, get your hands on it and have a listen and support this project, that'd be really good. Absolutely. And a lot of international appeal with this one too, I'm feeling. So watch out. Um, Now, Marcy, what are we getting from you next? I've got another local EP for us um, from an act called Micra. And the EP is called Sunday. Now, it's quite the trend at the moment. You'll probably notice this if you've been listening to the podcast every week for releasing series of EPs. We always seem to be talking about the first, second, third, et cetera, in a series of EPs. Um, is it a lockdown thing? I don't know. People producing so much material, they just want to get it out really quickly, so they're going with EPs. Sunday is the first in a trilogy of EPs coming out over the next year. This Dream Pop Joe and Micro have been releasing music for a few years now and then found themselves popping up on influential playlists around the internet. This four-track set finds them in fine form, and I like that it delivers unexpected moments like listening to the song freaks it starts out it's floating on this bed of synth and there's soft beats and the ethereal vocals then all of a sudden explodes into this trancey electro jam session that completely envelops you before abruptly ending and it's like wow i wasn't expecting that to go there and then the next track jazz man comes at you with these erratic break beats before introducing a richly lush chorus And it didn't surprise me to see the band citing 90s electronica acts like Zero Seven as an influence. And in the title track here, Sunday, you can definitely draw comparisons to Air. And that is a mighty huge compliment in my books. Oh, absolutely. And I like you bring up the whole ethereal floating thing. Like I know it's classified as the whole quote unquote dream pop thing, but for me, it just felt like being billowed along on a cloud of cotton candy lined with neon throughout the EP. Like Sunday may be only short, but there is so much maturity and just effortless ease on display. And it is definitely a good cure for the Sunday scaries. I think this could be something to pop on, you know, just before the old Monday lurks around. So I think I may have found yet another thing. I've got my summer soundtrack sorted and my Sunday soundtrack sorted so far. So this is a good episode for me. Well, I read one headline about Micro that said they put the dream into dream pop. I concur. Yep, 100%. And I think that's, yeah, that it definitely comes through. Well, I am also staying local just to try to copy you, but also, you know, so there's just so many good local ones out. Um, it's the debut album I'm Feeling Hopeful, hopeful from Euro-based musician, producer and engineer extraordinaire Milan Ring. Now, I'm Feeling Hopeful is an album absolutely brimming with the themes of hope and empowerment. And it's also another prime example of the incredible and ever-growing Aussie R&B renaissance that we've seen happening. Seen straight out of the gates on opening track, Hide With You. which was one of my personal favourites. But we've got 14 tracks all up and I'm Feeling Hopeful is just chock full of everything you'd expect and more. We've got booming bass lines, there's neo-soul flavours and Milan Ring's just insatiable flow and vocals throughout. And I mentioned Hope earlier on, but what's especially interesting on this one is that Milan Ring doesn't shy away from difficult subject matter. She kind of instead channels the entire album to just be a journey that ends in triumph, but also along the way addresses mental illness and toxic behaviour and even longing for comfort on tracks like the absolutely bewitching Keep Me Safe, which gave me such Leanne La Harvest vibes. I just had to stop and listen to Leanne after it. But Milan Ring has a pretty stacked track record already. She's collabed with everyone from Chance the Rapper's group, The Social Experiment, to The Avalanches, and many, many more. 
And with I'm Feeling Hopeful, we do see some extra collabs. Another highlight was the incredible Let It Glide with the dynamic rapper Barker. And overall, this album presents a celebration of culture, a flawless concoction of beats and heartfelt performances. MTV have already dubbed Milan Ring of the same ilk as Solange and Cesar with this release. And I entirely agree. It's absolutely incredible. Well, again, before um, I, everything I describe is before lockdown, before before COVID, but before the live scene got shut down, there was such a buzz on Milan Ring at Big Sounds, and it's great to see that buzz, you know, lead to this this moment in Milan Ring's career. And I really think this is going to be that you know that those two years where the bands have had off the road and probably stalled their careers uh, a, a little bit. It's good to see Milan Ring just bounce back in and and and, and uh, hopefully be out there live and get this music out there. Absolutely. This is one I am so desperate to hear live, so I'll be watching very closely for some announcements of shows. But moving on now, again, a local Masty. We're doing so well today with our locals, but it's time for our feature album, and it's a new one from the Teskey Brothers teaming up with Orchestra Victoria for a live album. Masty, what is our feature album today? Yes, speaking of live. Um, yeah, this one, as you said, called Live at Hamer Hall. Uh, Hamer Hall, and I'm probably going to get into trouble saying this, is my favourite venue in the country. Um, the, sound, the sound quality is immaculate. If you're going to record a live album, this is the venue to do it in. Uh, and at this point in time, you're either aware of the Teskey Brothers or you have no interest in music. <laughs> they are one of the biggest, most popular bands in the country, especially one of the most popular live bands, which, you know, so has left their fans aching for a good two years now. This has the added bonus of being a collab with Orchestra Victoria, as you pointed out. And, of course, there's a lockdown story behind this. Teskies were tapped by the orchestra's management to provide music for a stopgap recording project following the cancellation of the orchestra's uh, classical season. The collab was filmed and streamed last Christmas pretty much as a thank you to Teskey fans uh, for, their, for the lack of gigs or, you know, putting up for, with them <laughs> even during the lack of gigs during, during lockdown. The feedback for this stream was such that it is now a live album for Christmas 2021. So they're re-gifting last year's Christmas gift to this year, but it's, it's a worthy one. It is chock full of Teskey's classic blues and roots, but with some stunning arrangements from the orchestra. It's interesting to note that the band requested the arrangements were stabby and pizzicato, giving the project in their quote, more fun vibe, a more fun vibe. And you can hear the band having fun. There's a 10 minute track here. They're having fun. Personal highlights for me come later in the set. Highway Home for Christmas is a swinging original. Starts with this slow burn croon and with some really smooth strings coming in and building to a really hooky chorus with some stunning drum work in it. Like seriously, any, any up and coming drummers out there, have a listen to this and how it's done during this. I'm so can hear those stabbing horns that the Teskies wanted and they do bring the fun. And if you're familiar with the hand clap driven Hold Me, the, the clip of the original has almost 4 million views on YouTube, so a lot of people are familiar with it. You're going to be thrilled by the strings and woodwinds added to it here. I, I, I don't know why I keep admitting these things here, but I actually started clapping along with this in front of my laptop. I hope none of my neighbours saw through the I hope they did. That's adorable and a great testament. <laughs> It's, it's impossible not to clap along and it just makes for a big finish to this live set. Mm. Well, it's funny, I'm still on the Big Sound train because you mentioned earlier, the first time I ever saw the Teskey Brothers was at Big Sound and they just took the whole stage and the whole room just melted. And obviously since then, as you said, they've had such an incredible trajectory. And I think what I like in this kind of setting is that, like you said, the arrangements really work for them and everything just kind of blends really well with it. Like I believe they were playing in an empty room with this one. That's right. I didn't. So, I forgot to mention that. It was it, an like, empty home hall. It was an empty room, but with an orchestra, there is so much explosion of creative energy emanating out of it. I mean, a lot of people and performers do sometimes struggle without a crowd, but this is just proof the Teskey Brothers can thrive in any setting with anyone. And the guy who actually did their arrangements, Jamie Messenger, who you mentioned and touched on earlier, 
Um, he's worked with people like CR, Glenn from Little River Band, Ross from Daddy Cool and Hilltop Hood. So it's little wonder the arrangements are so sublime. And he's definitely nailed the stabby and pizza cut <laughs> that we've had. But I think it's such an awesome initiative to involve various sectors of the musical realms either because obviously orchestras couldn't be playing during lockdown and neither have rock bands or however we want to class them. So seeing everyone after all this time come together, we still get the jam moments. We still get like, you know, the spontaneity, but the orchestra is just so in sync. And I'm sorry, Josh Teske's vocals, could they get any more sweltering in some of these tracks? I think Say You'll Do was a big highlight for me. It was just oozing in strings and it had that smooth backing vocals. And then it always had this huge, jazzy, almost James Bond-esque outro. I think it was the horns. I must just hear horns and think James Bond. Yeah, there was definitely that John Barry uh, vibe about some of the arrangements. Um, Yeah, you could definitely hear that in there. Yeah. And I mean, I do love it. I know, like we said, it did obviously happen last Christmas. It's come out again in time for Christmas. And I won't lie. I've actually already snapped up a copy for a family member for Christmas. I won't say who in case they're listening, but they will find out on Christmas. <laughs> so this happened to me. I was listening to this in, in, in an office and uh, someone else uh, went and ordered a copy straight away listening to it. So it'd be interesting to see, can this knock Adele off number one? Like, the you know, the Teskies have a massive following here. If anyone's going to be able to pull off dislodging Adele, it will be Teskies. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to watch out. And before we wrap for the year, we may be able to have an exciting chart report about the Teskey brothers. I can't wait. <laughs> or another report that I'm wrong. Well, you know what? It's it's all about how you, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So. <laughs> Thanks. But if anyone out there does want to hear some of these stunning songs in full, you can grab a listen to the Teskey Brothers and more via our press play mixtape and many other songs, new songs in general that we don't touch on in this episode. So head over to our Insta at Press Play Oz and go check it all out. But now let's bring in our guest reviewer. Back once again with me now on Press Play. It's our guest reviewer for today, host of the podcast, Hit Different, music journalist, publicist, and she's also been on Press Play in episode two, if you missed us. It's So Safina from Ollie. So Safina, welcome back to Press Play. Thanks for having me. Oh, so I can't believe it's been, what, nearly four weeks, but it's very fun to have you back. And um, you are actually chatting about one of my favorite musical humans today. So please take it away with who you're reviewing today. I am reviewing Tom Morello and what seems like his 50 millionth solo record this year. Yep. Um, the Atlas Underground Flood. It's funny you mentioned that because when he first announced the new album, I was like, oh, okay, we literally just had one, but I'm very okay with this. <laughs> of course, he's lined up like a sea of collaborators <laughs> once again. I don't know where he keeps pulling these people out, but he's Tom Morello. He's got more friends than me, obviously. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> what do um, you reckon? Yeah, this this album, it's, I think, coming off the back of the, the last record um, put out as the Atlas Underground um, only some months ago now. It, I was still kind of reeling from just how he was able to curate such a unique sound with that record. So when this one came along, I felt like I was a little bit prepared, but then it's like this album will take you in in so many different directions sonically that it's like it's hard to nail down what Tom Morello will do at any given point. I feel like that's the big takeaway I had from from listening to this album a couple of times. Um, You know, it's it's stacked, like you were saying, it's stacked with collaborators, but collaborators who, if you were able to listen to the last Atlas Underground record, um, some of them aren't who you would expect perhaps to, to be collaborating with Tom Morello, but I feel like in that lies the genius of the music. Um, we've we've got people like Ex Ambassadors, Manchester Orchestra. Um, there's Ben Harper in there, Idols, Rodrigo e Gabriela, um, even like Nathaniel Rateliff and Barnes Courtney, like artists who are all really strong songwriters in independent of one another, but being brought together by Tom. It's like they're anchored to his um, to his specific brand of musicianship, and it's really interesting to see how how it all fits. It's like a it's, it's like a weird puzzle when you're doing it. You're like this this maybe shouldn't be working. Yes. But then listening to it as a cohesive um, product, it 
it feels right, you know. Yeah, that I think that's perfectly put. And I think I chatted to him a, a couple of weeks back when he did do Atlas Underground mm-hmm. Flyer, and he was saying some he went to and he leaned on old friends, and then some he actually went on Spotify and just looked up stuff on Spotify and was like, okay, you. And it's just yeah. like it just shows. And like you said, though, it's still there. Like we still have the guitar solos. Like it's obviously not a Rage Against the Machine album, but it's still a Tom Morello album. But I also read with this one, like he was kind of looking at um, London Calling by The Clash as an inspiration mm. of how he was piecing these together, just, mm. you know, evolving sonically, but having this double album and he's embraced anything and everything with it. And yeah, yeah like geographical, anything, like nothing's off the table here. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are. So, but yeah. the puzzle thing, that's the key. You've nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, like talking about the geographical aspect of it, um, I was the same. I was. I got to interview him on on the last record cycle, and we spent time talking about how music making for him during the pandemic was. It was a crucial thing. It wasn't something that he necessarily had to do because the label was pressuring him. It was just like I need to do this to save my sanity. Um, and I feel like in discovering new artists or maybe connecting with artists in a different way that's part of the therapy. I know it certainly is for, for me when I listen to new music or, you know, when I, when I see, um, you know, the, the likes of Andrew McMahon in the wilderness on the same record as, you know, like a Nathaniel Rateliff, it's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm kind of intrigued by it, by that. And you want to be challenged when you listen to new music. You want to be challenged when you listen to, to, to different artists on different records together. And I feel like that's what this record does so perfectly. Mm. Um, so I can only imagine what it would have been like to, to sort of be orchestrating all of these connections and, and facilitating these new bonds and new connections from, from different corners of the globe. Because, I mean, at the moment, it doesn't really matter if you can be in a studio together, you know, people can, they can connect more now than perhaps ever um but there really does feel like there's a there's a unifying element to the music that Tom Morello is making right now and I I feel like in that it's special you know that there's going to be there there will be fans out there who they're going to expect every Tom Morello project to be a Rage Against the Machine album yep you know and I I feel like that's a it's a very uh dated expectation specifically because you know, he's been involved in so many different musical projects over the years. Mm. Um, but in saying that, I, I do get that the the kind of desire for nostalgia and, and the clinging to that to that genre-defying sound, defining sound, sorry, um, that he was at, at the helm of. Mm. And I feel like bringing that sense of, again, def- defying genre and playing with boundaries, which is something that was very much at the core of what Rage Against the Machine did, mm. bringing that into a contemporary setting in 2021, um, it's it's a natural evolution. He's just doing it in a different way with, with new generations of artists, and I, I think that has to be commended, you know? Absolutely. It's so perfectly put, and it's kind of like the album I feel like a lot of us need at this point too. Like a lot yeah. of people, we're at home, we're not able to do as much, and, yeah, it's a beautiful everyone gets to discover along with Tom Morello, I feel as well. Yeah. And like you said, he's always been a little bit ahead of everyone and he's still continuing to do so. So could not mm. agree more. And he's a, like, you can tell listening to this music, like on this album in particular, there are some tracks like, um, let me just check my notes here, like Hard Times. I've got Hard Times, Parallels, Warrior Spirit and The Lost Cause. Like these are certain tracks that I was like if you use the terms like catharsis and euphoria like they can be represented in different ways and I feel again like this album as a whole does that really well but in when we think about music that we need right now I feel like this is this is what we talk about you know it's it's music you can have in the gym it's music you could have just sitting you know with your headphones on just chilling out like it's it's music that um comes direct from a hardcore music fan and I feel like if if anyone's been lucky enough to talk to Tom Morello about his music or even if you've just been able to watch an interview with him or read an interview with him you can tell that he's such a passionate music fan and a passionate fan about the craft 
of of creating as well. And I, I feel like there's not many artists who've had the consistency and longevity career-wise um, who, A, have the legacy of the music, but you can you can he- hear that passion for it. Like that hasn't that hasn't gone away. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is it's so been so exciting to watch this journey go through. And like you said, it does feel like we've had that many albums from him this year, but even if he said I was dropping another one in two weeks, I'd be like, yes, I'm ready. Yeah, I'll be here for it. (laughs) At the door, bring it on. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, a brilliant choice. I am so glad you picked it because it is just one I've been so excited about because it hasn't, so we haven't known about it for very long. So it's very exciting. Very but fresh. Yeah, so that one's dropping this week. And of course, you can also check out more of Sosafina's amazing work that she does. We will have lots of information about her in our show notes. So thank you for coming back on Press Play. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having me back. Oh, it's brilliant. And of course, with all the songs that you've heard in today's episode, you can listen to them all in full over on our Press Play mixtape. Jump over to our Instagram at Press Play Odds to grab a listen. But it is now officially time for Press Play's artist feature segment. In late 2016, just shy of two years after the juggernaut Hamilton premiered off-Broadway, a coming-of-age musical opened at the Music Box Theatre on Broadway, with Dear Evan Hansen going on to win six Tony Awards, including Best Actor in a Leading Role in a Musical for performer Ben Platt, Best Music and Best Score. And now closing out 2021, Ben Platt is returning to the role of Dear Evan Hansen for a film adaptation that will officially come to Australian cinemas on December 9th. Through a window, I try to speak, but nobody can hear. So I wait around for an answer to appear while I'm watch, watch, watching people pass. I'm waiting through a window. Garnering high praise early on from critics for Ben Platt's leading role, as well as its lyrics and the book, Dear Evan Hansen straddles frank conversations about mental illness, exploring grief and loneliness, alongside robust songs like Waving Through a Window and Sincerely Me, to name a mere few. And while the subject matter is considerably dark at times, the film adaptation about to hit Aussie cinemas returns Ben Platt to the lead role and it also brings in an ensemble cast consisting of Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Caitlin Denver, Nick Dadani and this week's press play guest artist, the sensational Amandla Stenberg. Following a breakout performance as the young tribute Rue in the Hunger Games back in 2012 to going viral in 2015 for a playful yet thought-provoking video project on cultural appropriation, Amandla Stenberg lends a powerful voice to a variety of cultural, political and social justice issues alongside a flourishing career as an actor and an entertainer. And stepping into the role of go-getter Alana Beck in Dear Evan Hansen, Stenberg also brought another considerable but previously underrated talent of hers to the table – her songwriting skills, which she has honed since performing in bands in high school. Under a manless guidance with the Dear Evan Hansen film team, the role of Alana is significantly elevated even further, and Amanda was also tapped to work with songwriters Ben Pasek and Justin Paul to write a brand new song for the film, and Alana, alongside the Tony Award-winning pair, resulted in the gorgeous song The Anonymous Ones. Here's what Amandla had to say about her role as Alana and the brand new song she helped bring to life. Yeah, I think she's at a point in her life where she's like a teenager, so she she can't necessarily know those things yet. And But she has this deep affinity for Evan and for Connor because she too is struggling. Stephen Levinson and Stephen Chbosky and so our screenwriter and our director and Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, our, our songwriters, came to me and were like, we want you to write the song with us. And I was like, huh? You got you guys have like Tonys and stuff. Like you want me to write a song with you? And they were like, yeah, this is really important to the creation of the character. So um, I'm really grateful that they even like believed in me or saw potential in me as a collaborator. Like I'm, I'm so honored by that and we had such a special time together writing the song um and yeah exploring who alana is through the song um who is someone that is figuring herself out but like doesn't necessarily know how to how to see herself as a valuable person without external validation yet and that's just another manifestation of of like dealing with 
you know, depression and anxiety. Having previously graced the cover of Time magazine back in 2018 as a next generation leader and already cementing herself as a Hollywood fixture for her roles in The Hate You Give and Where Hands Touch, Amanda Stenberg is undeniably only just warming up with her creative journey. But from featuring in Beyonce's Lemonade music video in 2016 to her own musical pursuits, there's many strings to Amanda's creative bow. And Dear Evan Hansen is apparently just the start of more musical adventures, as she revealed to me earlier. Yeah, totally. I'm working on an EP right now. I, um, I haven't really publicized that very much or given it a release date because I am still in the process of figuring out exactly how I want to do the thing I have but I have a lot of demos I've been working on for a long time but it's exciting to just kind of explore my musical voice without there being any pressure put onto it so I am definitely going to release music eventually you can catch the rest of my chat with Amanda Stenberg in this week's episode of the Green Room podcast dropping December 3rd for those playing along at home but for now here's a sneak peek of Amanda's amazing vocal and songwriting prowess that will be in action on screen in Dear Evan Hansen Here's the anonymous ones. The anonymous ones never let you see the ache they carry. All of those anonymous ones who never name that quiet pain they bury. So they keep on keeping secrets that they think they have to hide. But what if everybody's secret is they have that secret side And to know they're somehow not alone Well, that's all they're hoping for What if they didn't have to stay anonymous anymore? Now, let's round up some pop culture and viral moments from the past week. So for today's little viral slash pop culture roundup, as many fans know, late last week, Beatles diehards were finally gifted the long-awaited release of Peter Jackson's three-part documentary, The Beatles Get Back on Disney+, Plus, which boasts hours of restored and previously never-before-seen archival footage with behind-the-scenes recording of Let It Be. It had, of course, been made known for decades that the sessions that led to Let It Be, then titled Get Back, were not good times in Beatles HQ, including the infamous story of George Harrison's temporary departure from the band and, of course, talk of the added grievances, the incessant presence of a film crew added to the recording sessions. We all know how the story ends. Let It Be would fulfil its namesake as the 12th and final swan song for the group, with the Beatles officially disbanding just before the album was released to the world. Say what you will about Let It Be, it still holds its polarizing status as being an incredibly controversial album, with some critics at the time even turning hostile in their reviews. But it's the very footage that was shot and at times was the source of some of the irritation that plagued the creation of Let It Be that actually finds some light in the dark, presenting moments of laughter and genuine friendship amid the gloom, with Peter Jackson narrowing down hours of footage shot on 16mm film by filmmaker Michael Lindsay Hogg and a sea of audio as well that were behind the scenes bringing these sessions to life. A lot of people are already talking about the memorable clip of Paul McCartney writing Get Back on the new Disney Plus miniseries. And you can hear the band riffing about Lennon being late once again, microphones and then Get Back just almost falling out of thin air. But there's also quite a cute linkage to the Beatles and the legendary Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson, with a story emerging over the past few days about the time the Beatles actually tried to make their own Lord of the Rings movie in the late 60s. Speaking on Stephen Colbert late last week, Peter Jackson revealed that the Fab Four had originally wanted to produce and star in a live-action musical film based on the hallowed J.R.R. Tolkien books. This failed project was apparently driven by John Lennon himself, but in the 60s, Tolkien still had the filming rights and was vehemently opposed to the Beatles doing it. And thus, we never got to see the Beatles battle orcs or deliver the ring to Mordor, complete with singing and dancing. Jackson has gone on to share stories that he has continued to try to piece together what went on in those planning stages, telling BBC News recently he'd interrogated Paul McCartney about it, and Ringo apparently doesn't remember much. But maybe this is all a good thing. But Jackson did share a hint at what might have been there apparently would have been 14 or 15 Beatles songs and on Colbert late last week, Jackson also revealed his dream casting. George Harrison would be Gandalf, McCartney would be Frodo, Samwise would be Ringo and John Lennon, Mr. My Precious himself, Gollum. 
Do you agree with Peter Jackson's casting? You can let us know over on our Insta at Press Play Oz. And in the meantime, definitely grab a look at the Beatles Get Back on Disney Plus if you haven't already. And for now, enjoy this track and imagine a parallel universe where a Beatles Lord of the Rings musical movie exists. Beatles and Tolkien chat. Let's check out this week in musical history. It's time now and press play for Rewind and Reissues. Well, right now here on Press Play, without celebrating some musical anniversaries and reissues, it would not be a complete episode. And to do so, I'm joined once again by Steve Bell, host, of course, of the podcast Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder of Sonic Sherpa Records. Belly, welcome back to Press Play. It's always so awesome to see your face and get to listen to some of your amazing stories. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, to kick us off, what musical anniversary are we revisiting this week? Oh, look, I'm a big punk fan and Today in 1976, so that's 45 years ago, people around London woke up to the headline The Filth and the Fury on their newspapers and the Daily Mirror, referencing the Sex Pistols um, turning up on the Today program, the TV show in London, hosted by Bill Grundy, and sort of making a bit of a, not a bit of a ruckus, I guess it's a... Uh, they were replacing Queen at the very last minute because Freddie Mercury needed emergency dental surgery. And so they got drafted in. They just put out Anarchy in the UK, the first single. Uh, before they went on air, they uh, were given a lot of drinks, made them drunk or drunker. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Grundy you know, went on to mock them on national TV, basically. And at the end, he just goaded guitarist Steve Jones, who'd already sworn a fair bit, by saying, say something outrageous and cue more swearing. Uh, This was not a thing in the 70s, swearing on TV and especially the F-bombs he was dropping. It was massive. Um, It effectively ended Grundy's career, but it was bad for the Pistols too. Like it made them household names and it made punk a household name, but in the wrong way. Like they were just public enemies from that point on. They were about to embark on a tour, the Anarchy Tour of the UK, supported by The Clash and Johnny Thunders from The Heartbreakers, which is just like an incredible lineup. But all the shows got cancelled, like 13 of the 20. Everywhere they went, the councils pulled the pin. The ones that went ahead were heavily picketed. Um, soon they were dropped by, by EMI, started getting attacked in pubs, so basically ruined their lives. They couldn't go out. And the band was split up and dispersed less or just over a year later. So, yeah, it's a massive turning point in the Pistol story and punk in general. Yeah, and isn't it interesting the Filth and the Fury has become like, you know, not a good positive thing but it's something you read about and it's so heavily associated with them now and I think a lot of people think we live in an age of cancel culture where you know everyone's always under scrutiny this is just next level like they were under so much scrutiny and like obviously they had a lot of mayhem in their wake but I feel like a lot of the reporting was so opinionated at the time too and like you said like they were obviously swearing but they did get pushed into that final nail in the coffin I think oh yeah some of the reporting on it was crazy they were just painted as the worst people (laughs) just like miles away I mean they weren't the greatest people but uh yeah but they're a punk band what do we expect like they were classic punk they were living and breathing it so yeah an interesting time but what a legacy in the wake so yeah another good one belly another great trip down memory lane but what reissues have you got for me today too because christmas is coming and i keep wanting to buy vinyls for presents it seems (laughs) well the one that everyone's asking about in the shop the most is the doors la woman's the 50th anniversary it's their sixth and final album well with jim morrison anyway he passed away not long after uh, it comes out in this new 50th anniversary edition. It's got one uh, LP and three CDs with two hours of unreleased recordings from the LA Woman session. Um, you know, it's it left behind a lot of their favourite songs like Love and Madly, Riders on the Storm, LA Woman, Been Down So Long. 
so yeah people are really excited about that one mm-hmm. uh, another one that people have been checking in on um Roxette Joyride it's the 30th anniversary of that one uh the third album from the Swedish popsters uh, we lost Marie Fredrickson sadly a couple of years ago, but the music lives on. I mean, obviously the title track was massive, went number one everywhere. There's a version of that that's four LPs, um, just hours of alternative versions and demos. So if you're a rock set fan, you're in for a, a joyride. Oh, no, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, Depeche Mode 101. Now, I, I always sort of thought of this as a, a live album and it's an incredible live album. It came out in 1989 after their Music for the Masses tour. But really, it's a, a concert documentary. And so what's um, being reissued now is the visuals of the documentary. Uh, it's been upgraded to HD on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, and there's a heap of extras, and everyone's raving about what it looks and sounds like now, and it's a brilliant concert. Awesome. And just one final one for me, um, the Halo Benders, God Don't Make No Junk, is being reissued. Um it goes back to 94. It's a collaboration between Doug Marsh from Built to Spill and Calvin Johnson from Beat Happening, two legends of the Pacific Northwest underground guitar scene. And they ended up making three albums and they're all awesome. But K Records, Calvin's labels just put out the first one. And yeah, check it out. Oh, yes, I will be. Well, we've got a nice little mixture as always. There's something for everyone and always a nice little trip down memory lane. And every time you say the anniversary numbers, I freak out secretly, <laughs> but um, that's fine. It's always exciting to see how long it's been. And of course, you can catch more of Steve Bell as he dives into some of history's most seminal albums with the artists behind the releases and the people that were there for the journey. Check out Rewind with Steve Bell. The current season is taking you deep into something for Kate's 2001 album, Echolalia. And there are a few more seasons on the way, Belly. So This is a must listen for any music fan. Thank you, Belly, for joining us once again. Thanks so much for having me. I'll see you soon. See you soon. And for now on Press Play, we're turning to new singles out and about. The Green Room with Tiana Speeder is your ultimate Access All Areas pass. Want to go beyond the press release and really get to know some of your fave celebs from the world of music, acting and comedy? Subscribe now to catch all the latest episodes. You can find us at euphony.com.au, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you usually get your podcasts. It's time now on Press Play for Singled Out, where we take a look at some of the new and recent singles kicking around this week. And joining me as always for this segment is Andrew Mast. Masty, you're back. It's another week. It's been raining tunes. What are we going to start with today? It has, it just does. I, I've got to stop saying this every week, but the it's like as the album's release schedule becomes a trickle, the singles one just keeps pouring. So I'm starting with one of the the best new finds of this week and it's Cousin Tony's brand new Firebird and a track called When This Is Over. have been fine-tuning their sound for almost a decade. Beloved in their hometown, they've come very close to breakout success. And I'm pretty sure at least one album had the might of Sony behind it. They've dabbled in psych-pop, they've been a bit Mac DeMarco, and and now they deliver this, the kind of track that that really could be career-defining. Starting with just a lone piano, a sparse beat then kicks in, then in comes the vocal, and then the brass bursts through. And what we get is a stirring post-lockdown anthem. How often have we all said to someone in the past two years, when this is over, dot, dot, dot. This song captures that sentiment perfectly. And I also get that big vibe of you two Simple Minds ballads. And I used to be very cynical about those types of songs, but I think lockdowns have broken me. (laughs) And now you're going to have to fight to stop me from getting up on the kitchen bench and lip-syncing this one into an egg whisk. And just listen to the vocal over the climactic ending of the song. You can just lose yourself in that forever. Um, firstly, please send pics or videos of the egg 
Vita moment, but I agree. Like it's, you know, it's the definition of lush warmth. It's an absolute feel good moment from an insanely talented band. And I just love the imagery that it inspires. It's like, you know, the end of that love actually sort kind of thing when everyone's running up and hugging at the airport kind of thing, but it's just escalated so much more with what we've all been through and finally seeing loved ones, that human connection just absolutely sprawls through the track and spawned from isolation. What a way to channel good into bad. And I got that um, movie soundtrack vibe as well. It really did. And, but with minus all the cheese. it's Yes. Just, yeah, it's just so well done. So authentic. That's absolutely it. Now, completely different. Uh, you're going <laughs> to talk to me about Diamond Construct and then you track Hit It Back. Yes, Marcy. So this is a slight deviation from Cousin Tony's brand new Firebird, but a song I've got today are from local party metalers Diamond Construct, who are dropping their new track, as you said, Hit It Back. It's out this week. I think it is safe to say it's probably a bit outside your regular listening, Marcy. I wouldn't like to assume, but with Hit It Back, we get kind of like a huge new metal meets rap meets just beautiful chaos. Like basically the best way I can describe it, Limp Biscuit on steroids at a house party. Takes a why don't you get out of my face? Spray you with the mace, smoking with the spicy vapes. Uh, hit me with the drinks, I'm a little tipsy, babes. Come on over here, baby cakes. Come over here. There's plenty of modern flavors kicking around. So these guys are signed to Grayscale, Grayscale Records, which is home to some other epic local bands like Make Them Suffer and Alpha Wolf and Deadlights. So the party vibes are real, but there's so much sheen to this track and the accompanying Fast and Furious Ready Slip music video. That was directed by another local legend, Colin Jeffs. And, I mean, if you've seen it, Master, you know, it's complete with like a choreographed dance number. I'm secretly oh, hoping yeah. you might bust that out too with the lip syncing. <laughs> but these guys, they're not new faces. They've actually previously released their debut album in 2019. They've toured with the likes of Thornhill and Born of Osiris. But they're still a very young band, but they're extremely consistent. They're extremely competent. And they're really injecting like a really big breath of fresh air in the metalcore and just surrounding genres because there's a few little things kind of kicking around here. They're a little bit hard to pin down, but we've got scuzzy arrangements, high octane performances and really salient vocals. And I feel like Hit It Back is like the start of something really big for Diamond Construct if they keep this up into 2022. I felt like at the end of 2019 before live music stopped and, you know, I was actually still seeing bands, there was a whiff of new metal coming back. Now, mm. I just need to know, is it going to be called New New Metal? Like, have, we, have we got a name it for it? It has to be. Like, I think we have to coin that phrase right here. You heard it here first. New New Metal is the new, the new, new, new metal. <laughs> and anyone playing it, they'll be very happy they didn't call the new COVID variant new as everyone expected. They skipped new and went to Omicron. So, yeah, it, it won't be. You can't confuse the genre with the COVID. Very but, close. Um, <laughs> all right. So new, new metal. Now, old post-punk redone. Talking about Larue and her cover of Damaged Goods. You said you're cheap, but you're so sweet. Gang of Four were one of my favourite post-punk bands in my younger days. I never got to see the original lineup perform, but I was very lucky and got to see a reformed lineup with the late Andy Gill. And it was an exhilarating night out. But my favourite story that came from that tour is they asked for a microwave every night on their rider. And some people thought it was a really odd inclusion, thinking, well, we could heat the food up for them, you know. But it turned out it was actually an integral part of the band's show as the smashing of the microwave provided percussion at one point during the gig. What is great about this cover is LaRue pays tribute to the microwave smashing in the video of her cover of this classic Gang of Four song. She also delivers a version that is unrecognisable from the original. Before his death, Gil personally invited LaRue to take part in a project of guest artists re-recording his songs, and this is said to be one of his favourites. Now, I recently finished reading a book called Rip It Up, and author Simon Reynolds talks about Gang of Four wanting to find a wider audience to spread their political message to. Well, here, Damaged Goods becomes 
a very electro pop song with a sweet melody that could definitely see the song reach a wider audience. It's come a very long way from the angry, shouty, razor-sharp edges of the originals. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. When I first saw that get, it was like a Gang of Four cover, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm in for. And they're like, oh, nope, I was not expecting it. But it's such a beautiful surprise. And LaRue's been so busy of late, but this, I, it's almost a tribute. Obviously, it's not because there was involvement prior to, but it, there's a bit of bittersweet, bittersweet magic to it. And I feel like, though, it's a celebration instead of mourning. And the absolute cherry on top is the music video with LaRue dressed in Annie's favourite coat, going to town on a microwave with a baseball bat, how that image can be so elegant and heartwarming. Um, it makes zero sense when you watch it, um, especially if you're a Gang of Four fan, you will know what I mean. And it's, yeah, it's an unexpected surprise, but I'm, again, that team up. Who would have thought? It's so amazing when you say that there is a really sweet moment towards the end of the video that involves smashing a microwave. Who knew that, <laughs> could, that could be a thing? So the last one for this week is Anna Lenoe's Backseat, which features Genesis Owusu, but it's had a remix by Seba. I'm on the phone, don't ask me, uh, DM blown, don't at me, uh, if you try and get nasty, I'm Rick James, get boots in your backseat, uh, I'm on the phone, don't ask me, uh, DM blown, don't at me, uh, if you try and get nasty, I'm Rick James, get boots in your back, 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 back. is such a standout Australian DJ and producer and the original version of Backseat featuring last week's big ARIA award winner as I said Genesis Arusu was a really crisp peak party club track that came out earlier this year but now as more and more people are actually making their way back into clubs it's quite right that this song gets taken in a new direction. Remixer Seba cites Todd Terry and Kerry Chandler as influencers and you can hear that here this is a steamy 5am deep house groove and when the drop comes in at 3.28, excuse me while I melt on the floor. <laughs> There's a beautiful use of pulsating bass and Owusu's voice somehow sounds even better over this arrangement. I know very little about Seba, but they have nailed everything a remix is about. Take an already great club track, make it sound like a completely new track while emphasising all that's best about the original task completed. Yeah, and that's what I found interesting. Like I, I have to say whatever we call this house dance, the 5am sweaty, you know, anthem, like it's always been a little bit outside my wheelhouse and it's not always something I'm drawn to. So when it first started, I was like, oh, am I going to like this? But like you said, it just grows on you and just his vocals, they're, they're so effortless, but just this remix, I agree. I think it's actually a better version. Like the original's great, but it just, everyone's on display here so beautifully. And yeah, that moment, I also would have melted on the floor happily. And I just think it's just, it's so exciting to see Genesis, Genesis Owusu dominating anything he turns his hand to and what a great team up and what a smart and very sharp remix. And also this is why I'm not allowed back in clubs. <laughs> oh, if you bring your, your beater and your lip syncing, I think you'd be allowed in. You'd go ahead of the queue. <laughs> Another great week of releases, Marcy. A pleasure as always. And I can't wait for next week's episode too because we have some exciting things in store, I believe, for next week. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens then. But as always, you can grab a listen to all the songs we've featured today on our Spotify mixtape, plus a few extras. You can head to our Instagram at PressPlayOz to follow along. Thank you, Marcy. And that brings us to the end of Press Play for today. Thank you, of course, to my regulars, Andrew Mast and Steve Bell, for always bringing their amazing knowledge and good taste into the Press Play mix. A big thank you to our guest reviewer, Sosafina Famoli, for joining us once again today. You can check out more of her work on Insta at Sosafamoli. That link will be in our show notes for this episode. And a big thank you as well to Amanda Stenberg for sharing some insight into the brand new song she had a key hand in for the upcoming film, Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen hits Australian cinemas on the 9th of December, and you can also listen to more of my chat with her on this week's episode of my other podcast, The Green Room with Tiana Speter. Keep up to date with all things Press Play or just new releases in general. You can find us at Press Play Oz on Instagram, that's OZ for Oz, and there we'll keep you up to date with all things new releases and not just what you hear in the weekly episodes. So keep on top of all things new music with us there. And you can also check out our Spotify mixtape as well, which we update regularly. 
If you're enjoying the Press Play rides so far, let us know. Help us share the love and get more ears on all these wonderful new releases. Any likes, follows, subscribes, and reviews are always welcome and they make a world of difference. Catch up on any previous episodes of Press Play you might have missed, plus a bunch of other awesome Euphony podcasts. You can head on over to euphony.com.au or just find us wherever you usually get your podcasts from. Love music? Press play. Catch you all next week. Press play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder. Recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.